turn in your Bibles to the book of Joshua. We'll start there, chapter 1, momentarily. I want to read that to you. Your pastor said it earlier. I thought it was interesting because I planned to say this as my opening remarks. Is uh, <clears throat> we have, uh, We've never been in this setting. We'll never see this room the way it is today uh, the same again. If we all were to show up, we'd sit a little different than where we're sitting. We'll have on different clothes, and our hair may have turned a little more white or loose. Things will change. So we've never been in this environment before, have we? It's unique. It's new. And we've never lived so close to the return of Jesus either, by the way. We've never been as close as we are to his return. And I want to make an announcement to you today. This is not my message, but I, I, I usually say something like this every time I preach this, this past several months. Paul said it like this, that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So comfort one another with those words. Jesus is coming soon. Two plus two equals. I don't care where you live. I don't care what your language is. I don't care your culture. Two plus two is four. And when you add everything up, the things we're experiencing, viewing, observing, and fighting against today in our, in our hmm, postmodern, post-Christian world, is that two plus two is four, that Jesus is coming soon. When you put it all together, it, it, it leads to nothing else but the fact that Jesus is coming soon. Matthew 24, Luke 17. When you see, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. So Jesus is coming soon. I want you to know that. And that shouldn't put fear in our hearts. It should put an excitement and an urgency in our heart. People are dying without Jesus. Did you know there's 5 billion people out of the 7.5 billion on the planet that don't know Jesus? we got a job to do, don't we? So, so there's a lot of folks need Jesus, and that puts a sense of urgency in people who are passionate about the kingdom. Amen. Vicki and I have traveled, as you noted earlier in one of the slides. She went to Brussels uh, in Bible school for a summer internship. While there, she went to some nine countries. She's been with me various places around the world, and I've been to some 30 countries. I haven't preached in but 19, but I've been to some 30 countries. She's been to some 20 countries. So we've been around a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit for, for some folks. And we wind up going to places from time to time we'd never been before. Um, I've been privileged to to stand on one of the pyramids in Egypt, climbed up on that first little tier, and I've been to Israel, and I've seen the promised land, been able to, uh, the, the, the land, the holy land of, in, in Israel, been able to go there at least twice. I, I would love to go back. Um, we've, I've, I've looked out the balcony of the hotel where I was in Yerevan, Armenia, the capital city, and I saw Mount Ararat where Noah's Ark sits somewhere on that mountain range. I've seen gorges and valleys I've, I've, in Asia and India and all kinds of places. I've met some incredible people. I've been places that I had never been before. I've been all over Arkansas, but still once in a while, I'll find myself on a road that I've never been on before. And I'll say to myself or my wife, we've never been on this one before. Well, I have an announcement to make to us. We have never been on this road before. 
That's what I want to talk to you about today. We've never been here before, and uh, I, I want us to lean in. I want us to pay attention because where we are and where we're headed, it's vital that we get some direction. If you're going somewhere you've never been, it, it makes sense to map it, right? And sometimes when you're going back to a place, I mean, I use Google or I mean, I use Apple Maps or whatever it is uh, often to get places. Uh, I, I got nephews that live in the Dallas area, and even in their town where they live, they'll still map wherever they're going just, just, just to make it easy, I guess. You don't have to think as much. But we're, we've never been where we are today. At the close of 2019, the beginning of 2020, I had a lot of questions. And those questions stemmed around money. We had lost in about two-year-plus period of time about $30,000 in annual income in our ministry. I don't know about you, but that kind of affects us. So I had some questions. <laughs> Lord, if you want us to keep doing this, something's got to change. So I'm asking God these questions in 2020. We walk through 2020 and we endure 2020. I come into 2021. I'm like, I still got questions. <laughs> I can't fly. I can't get to the places I need to go. I miss my friends over there. I've got a calling. I've got an assignment. How are we going to do this? When's this going to change? So I've had a lot of questions. Somebody said it like this, a lot of questions need to be answered, and a lot of answers need to be questioned. We just, we shouldn't believe everything just because it's been spoken. You need to question some answers these days. I'll just let that marinate in your, in your uh, wagon there for a little while. I have good news for us, though. <clears throat> in the book of Joshua, there's what I call a template. Template is a pattern. It's like a blueprint. Let's see if I can do this. The blueprint, the pattern in, of what happened for Israel and where we are today is, is an example. It's, it's a blueprint to where they were as to where we are. And I think we can learn some things from their experience of crossing the Jordan River and where you and I are today in this challenge that we've been facing for a little over a year now, specifically. <clears throat> Not just the pandemic, but that's what spearheads this. Let's read together. Joshua chapter 1. I don't know if you can put that... Do you have that scripture available, perhaps? Okay, that's all right. You can look in your Bibles, on your phone, or wherever you, however you follow that. <clears throat> this is from the NIV. Somebody call that the non-intelligent version. And yes, you can say these things in Arkansas, Pastor. <laughs> After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, isn't it great to know God still speaks to people? The Lord said to Joshua, Son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. Everybody say the word inherit. What do you do to get an inheritance? Exactly. This is, you don't earn it. Now you qualify somehow by blood right or by somebody writing you in their will. Well, God wrote us in his will. It's right here. And we have claim to that inheritance too. 
You're going to lead them into the inheritance that I swore their ancestors to give them. So be strong and very courageous and careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp the camp, and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here and go in to take possession of the land the Lord your God's given you for your own. By themselves, this feat would have been impossible. The Jordan River was swollen. It was a flood stage. People would have died. Animals, all their material possessions would have been destroyed. It would have been impossible by themselves. By ourselves... It too is impossible. Whatever you want to label your, red, your, your, your Jordan River, whatever our issue is, by ourselves, we're foolish to do this without the navigation of God the Holy Spirit. They needed a miracle. We need a miracle because we have a virus. We have a virus. Millions have been infected. Millions have been afflicted. Millions have been injected with this virus. It's a virus of fear. God has not given us a spirit of what? But of power, love, and a sound mind. Perfect love casts out fear. That doesn't mean that there isn't impending danger. doesn't mean that there are challenges, aren't challenges out there. It just means we don't have to be afraid. It's like Jesus is at Mark chapter 6. He was walking on the water. The disciples were in the boat. They thought he was a ghost. And he had to say, hey, don't be afraid. It is I. So what we think is as something that's scary is in fact Jesus at work on our behalf. Don't be afraid, it's me. So God doesn't want us to be fearful. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. It's okay to be, have concern. It's a, it's a good thing to be wise. We should be smarter than some of us, okay, than some of them are. Not Nobody in this room. <laughs> we, we need to smarten up, lighten up, wise up. We have a virus of racism. We have a virus of politics. Politics, poly meaning many, ticks meaning blood-sucking creatures. It's a virus. We have a virus of meanness and evil and hatred and, and bigotry and just manipulation. We have a, a virus of anarchy, not to mention the coronavirus. We got all kinds of things that are infecting this nation and our world, but specifically America. So what are we going to do about this? What is our next step? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you three or four little one, two, three, fours, okay? So if you're writing this down, number one, the first thing is that leaders need to hear from God. Leaders need to hear from God. God spoke to Joshua. Chapter one, he says, the Lord spoke to Joshua. So it's pretty clear to me, if we're going to cross something we've never crossed, go somewhere we've never been, we need God's voice in on the matter. What are you saying to us, God? What is your directive to us? And he spoke to him. Now, before you put all the weight on this guy as the pastor of the church, how many knows he should hear from God? But he's not the only leader in the room. If you're a husband, guess what you are? Say it. If you're a wife, you are a 
You're a mama and a daddy. You're a leader. If you're a teacher, you're a leader. If you're an employer, you're a leader. And in fact, all of us have a sphere that we influence and therefore we are leaders. People are looking to us. And it's critical that we hear from God, not just our opinions about whatever our issues are of the day. So leaders need to hear from God. Secondly, leaders got to give direction. It's pretty self-explanatory, but you hear from God, you get directives from God, you tell the people. You got to give direction to the people. That's what Joshua did. He said, pack up, get ready. He knew something they didn't know. God spoke to him, and he knew something that had not been disclosed yet. Third thing is that he prophesied. Now watch this. He says, get your bags ready. Tell, tell the officers, tell the people, get the bags ready because we're in three days, now he's prophesying, in three days we're going to cross over this Jordan River here and into the land. Now that's a prophetic word. We're leaving in three days. If somebody says something to you and says in 72 hours thus and thus is going to happen, that's a prophetic word, right? So we prophesy. Leaders need to prophesy. Husbands should prophesy over their wives, over their children, over their finances. You should prophesy, ma'am, over your babies, your grandbabies. We should be prophetic people. We're leaders after all. So he prophesied we're leaving in three days. When God heard him say that, God got up off his throne. He said, you guys hear that? He just came into agreement with what I told him. I told him to get ready to, to cross over, and he's jumped into agreement. So we got to do something. So God goes upstream 20 miles, a place called Adam, 20 miles upstream, flooded river, swollen, spring rain, whatever. It was flooded. No way to cross without loss of life. He said, we're leaving in three days. God said, we have to do something. He's coming to agreement with my will. His will was that they walk into the inheritance, right? So there's an obstacle. It's called the the Jordan River. And God walks 20 miles upstream, or he had beavers build a dam, or he had a mudslide, but something blocked the flow of water in a place called Adam 20 miles upstream. You can read this in about chapter 3. As recent as 1927, a mudslide blocked the, the flow of water on the Jordan uh, for several hours. So I don't know how God did it, but when Joshua said, we're leaving in three days, God went to work. Now, here's the beautiful part of it. They couldn't, they didn't know what was going on 20 miles upstream. You know the song? Even when I can't see it, he's working. Even when I can't feel it, he's working. He never stops, never stops working. 20 miles upstream, God's at work, and nobody can see the result of his manifested glory yet. So don't give up. He prophesied it. Then, the fourth thing that, if you're taking notes, he he said you got to follow the Ark of the Covenant. Don't get ahead of God Follow the ark. Verse verse 2, chapter 3. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, follow it. Then you will know which way to go because you've never been this way before. And he says, keep your eyes on the ark. You want answers? You want directions? Follow the ark. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. The glaring issue right now is the swollen river. Right now, their problem is getting from point A to point B and getting out of the wilderness and into the promised land. So 
Here's what we often do. We make the Jordan River our agenda. And how many knows we got swollen rivers in our way all the time, right? It's financial. It's relational. We're always facing something that's an obstacle. But the obstacle cannot become the agenda. The agenda is still true. Matthew 28, Jesus says, go to all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatever I've commanded you. And by the way, while you're doing all that, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the earth. That's the agenda. The agenda is not the swollen river. The agenda is not the coronavirus. The agenda is not X, Y, or Z. The agenda is the heartbeat of God. It's the kingdom purposes of God. That's the agenda. Now, we cross the river. We're tired. We need to sit down and rest. And every seventh day, God said, shut it down and observe the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Make it a day of rest and worship. So there's nothing wrong with resting once you've crossed. But what we do is we get comfortably on the, on the other side and say, you know, this is good, clear, cool water. And uh, this is good fishing. This is a good place. In fact, two and a half tribes decide they wanted to stay on one side of the, of the promised land later anyway. So we make our agenda, what, we make the obstacle the agenda and we cross over and we just decide we're going to camp and live there. That's not the will of God. The will of God is in the land of abundance and promise. So we can't make the obstacle our agenda. Israel needed a leader. Joshua is the new leader. You have a leader. You have a good leader. One pastor said, when my people think they need a new pastor, I go to the prayer closet and get them one. And that'll work for a a spouse as well. You're not going to laugh at that one, are you? Okay. Okay. You hear me? I mean, go to the prayer closet and get him a new husband. Lady said, (laughs) I better leave that one alone. we, We need leaders in our world today. I don't mean titled positional situation. I'm talking about people who truly can hear from God and lead us in all realms, not just spiritually, but in our political realms. We need godly men and women bringing leadership to the equations of conflict in our world today, in our school systems. Oh, God have mercy. We need leaders in our school systems. I don't have time to tell you the, the, the concerns I have in that venue. New leaders do things differently. Mark that down. New leaders are going to do things differently. It's not just a philosophical difference. While there are philosophical differences, that's true. But that's not the only difference about new leaders. Oftentimes, whenever God's setting a new leader, he's going to put a new and a fresh anointing upon him. But new leaders are going to do things differently. Let's just look at it here. They, they, they're standing there looking at this swollen river. And I see a couple of guys standing there going, how, how are we going to cross this thing? And the other guy said, well, you weren't listening in Sunday school. <laughs> We're going to find Moses' rod. Moses' rod. It's part of the Red Sea. And they crossed over. And he said, well, you're not so smart yourself. We haven't seen Moses' rod since we saw Moses, and it's probably buried with him. God only knows where. And the other guy said, well, pff, Aaron's rod. Let's get Aaron's rod. His rod, after all, is the one that turned the, the Nile River into blood and, and produced the frogs and the, the lice. Aaron's rod, that's the key. Let's get Aaron's rod. And the guy said, good luck with that because it's in the Ark of the Covenant. You touch that piece of equipment, you will die. And the guy says, but we've never done it any other way. 
We've always used a rod to cross water obstacles. And this time's going to be different. Because a man prophesied, God went to work 20 miles upstream so that whenever it came time to cross, I don't know how long it takes a swollen river to stop flowing 20 miles downstream, but I think it takes about three days. And he knew it would take three days to pack up and get everything ready. And so when we're looking at making a crossing, it doesn't always look like it did in the past. And you guys know this. Your world has changed and shifted. The virus has shifted and changed so many. Brother Mark and I were talking earlier. It's just changed so many things in our world today. And so we, we got to understand that, the, that God doesn't always do things like he did yesterday. And that doesn't mean the person in charge is being, um, is being mean or trying to be obstinate. It just means God's doing something different than, than he did before. And as a matter of fact, when they crossed, when they crossed over and got in and they took Jericho, uh, Joshua said, I want you to line up and I want you to march. I want you to march around this city. And I don't want you to say a word. For 40 years, I've li- listened to you mumble and grumble and complain. And I want you to keep your mouth shut. That's real nice language for saying, shut up. <laughs> I've listened to your complaints for 40 years and I'm in charge now and I say don't say a word until when I finally tell you we're going to shout the Lord's given us a city. And so they marched around Jericho how many times? 13 times. Once a day for six days and seven times on the seventh day. Now it's only half a mile around Jericho so it's not like an eternity. They were just getting in shape the first six days And by the time they got to the seventh day, they was able to march around it seven times. We we need a stick, though. Let's just wave the stick and the walls will... No, God's doing new things differently. We need to be ready for that. And I know the virus and all those adjustments have made all of us, forced us into adjustments. So just remain flexible, I guess, is my word and my counsel to us today. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall be stretched. We've never done it that way before, but we've never been here before either. We've never faced what we're facing. Here requires acts of obedience and faith. Here in the ambiguity of the world we live in today, here we need to hear from Jesus like we never had before. We have never stared down the barrel of socialism like we're looking at it now. Ever in our history as a nation. Thank God for mosaic leadership. God wasn't just trying to draw a contrast between Moses and Joshua. And we revere and honor and respect past leaders. Amen. Can, Can just somebody say amen to that? Because thank God for mosaic leadership. We wouldn't be here without them. If you find a turtle on a stump, he didn't get there by himself. Somebody put him there. So wherever we are in this process, only God could have put us here. Thank God for Mosaic leadership. People that like Moses paved the way. So let's talk about him for just a moment. Number one, what did he do? He's a significant player, of course, but what are some key things he did? Number one, he mentored his successor. How many people are coming in after you? Who are you pouring yourself into? Who are you training? Who are you equipping? Oh, no, that's his job. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about who's going to be the next Ed Huey. I don't mean we need another one of me. And don't say amen on that one, okay? 
because I get it. But what I'm saying is whatever I have that's good of God, I need to be pouring it out so that when I'm gone, the thing keeps rolling. They don't, don't have to be like me. You don't have to part the water. You don't have to do anything that I've done like I did it. Just keep doing what God's deposited in you. Moses mentored his successor, Joshua. Number two, Moses received the law, the Ten Commandments. That's a pretty big deal right there. He brought it to the people and he gave them some shouts and shout nots. Pretty good directions. You know, not stealing from somebody will keep your head from getting blown off. And if you're in some countries of the world, they'll cut your hand off for stealing. And so so the, the Ten Commandments was given to Moses. He brought that to the people. Perhaps one of his most massive accomplishments, in my opinion, is this. He was faithful. When God says, move out of the way, Mo." I'm, I'm going to mow them down. <laughs> I, I'm going to blot their... He said, if you blot their name out, you have to blot mine out too. He interceded. He was a true intercessor for the Israelites. That's a pretty big deal today is have somebody loyal to you who'll take the bullet with you or for you. And he stood the ground and God saw them through. But think about this. Moses had to lead for 38 years without direction. Because the will of God was they leave Egypt on a southern, southern journey down to the peninsula and the wilderness of what's called sin. Then they came up to the, the promised land after a two-year journey by the will of God. When they got there, 12 spies go in and 10 said, we can't do this. Two said, Joshua and Caleb said, we can do this. Let's go. Well, the people believed the 10. They didn't go in. And Bible says that God said, because of your unbelief, you will not inherit the land. So that generation had to die off. So for 38 of those 40 years... Moses is just leading the people whenever the cloud, whenever the pillar of fire moves, he takes them, he leads them. He's just following. He has no real direction. He has no real motivation except, well, say this point. One thing that his job description was is, is he, was, he was responsible for burying the past. He buried the past. He, he conducted thousands of funerals. Before you can go on in your life, my friend, you're going to have to bear your past. There's some things that you need. If it's not under the blood, get it under the blood. But if it still keeps coming up at you like Moses' skeleton he buried in the sand, get, that, get victory over that. Cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bring it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ, Paul said. I think it's 2 Corinthians 10. I think that's where that's located. So... He had to bury the past. What do you think kept Moses awake at night? You ever think about that? What did, what did he do? All you could hear was the, the sheep bleeding and the cattle lowing and a few noises of the night. I think he had a quill and a parchment and some kind of ink. And for in those 38 years, I believe Moses started writing in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the first 187 chapters of the Bible was written in the wilderness. The first 5,852 verses were penned by Moses under the divine inspiration of God the Holy Spirit as he wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And that's what God referenced to Joshua in chapter 1. I read it. Don't forsake the law, the word that Moses gave you. That's why a 13-year-old Jewish boy who's gone through bar mitzvah can quote from beginning to end the Torah. 
Genesis through Deuteronomy. You can quote all five of those books. Pretty impressive, right? Some of us can't remember the Ten Commandments. Okay, I meddled, sorry. People need direction. I love this verse in Daniel 12, verse 3. The New American Standard says this. Those who have insight will shine brightly like the brightness of the expanse of heaven. Did you hear that? Those who have insight will shine brightly. If we ever needed lights in the world today, it's today. If we ever needed lights in the darkness, it's today. And those who, those who have insight... Those who walk in wisdom and have the wisdom of God will shine brightly. It goes on to say, and those who lead the many to righteousness will be like the stars forever and ever. So our, it's a twofold insight and leading people to Jesus is basically what he's saying there. Well, we need God to give us direction, do we not? We need a miracle. It's going to take a miracle to cure us and get us through the issues and the challenges that we're facing today. It took a miracle to get the Israelites across the Jordan River. I got to thinking about that, and I thought sometimes the church, unfortunately, has to have a miracle to get us out of the ditch and across to the other side. So God help us. We don't want to wander in the wilderness, right? We want to be the answer. What if? What if the church began providing the answer to the problems we face in America today and around the world today? What if the church was the answer Doesn't the book say that? Didn't Jesus himself say you are the light of the world and you're salt? We penetrate and we preserve. What if we've started becoming those things to the world? If there's a decay, it's possible that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ was not as effective as it could have and should have been. We've allowed moral decay to take our country. We've allowed... All kinds of things. What if the church rose up and began laying hands on the sick and they recovered when we prayed? What if the church began flowing in the gifts of healing and the working of miracles? And what if we began flowing in the gift of faith? What if we began operating the gifts of the Spirit and the world could see Jesus is in our lives? That's the bright light. That's the, in, that's the insight that people will follow that Daniel was referencing. So Joshua's the leader. And he said to them, I want you to keep a thousand yards between you and the ark. When I first read that, I thought that meant follow the ark. But if you read the whole context, the ark stayed in the, the, the bottom of the, the riverbed while, with the priests on their shoulders. The ark was, in, and so it was a thousand yards upstream. That's 10 football fields upstream. And, and, and Joshua said, as you cross, keep your eye on the ark. Don't take your eye off the ark. That's a pretty important statement he makes. So what does that mean? I'm glad you asked. I have an answer. Four things. It means there were four things in the ark. Number one was the manifest presence of God. That's where the the priest would meet with God once a year. Inside the ark. Remember, you see the cherubim, their wings were touching at the top. This is where God met with his priests on behalf of the people. The presence of God was in the ark. So he was saying, when you cross, keep your eyes on the spirit of God. Are you people of the spirit? Is this a Pentecostal church? Yes. So Paul says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You can't do both. It's either one or the other. And so Joshua has given great orders and great directions for us. Keep your eyes on the spirit. He kept them a thousand yards because it was so sacred. 
It was so holy. It was so precious. Ten football fields away, but don't take your eyes off of it because that's where the presence of God is. Stay in the presence of God. The second thing was that it contained the Ten Commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God is vital to our lives today. It's, it's critical that we follow after the word of God. The law of the Lord is good, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are right, making wise the simple. Oh, to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. What, how does a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to the word of God. In the ark was the word of of God. Vital, critical, can't live life without it. The word is our roadmap. It's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. The word of God, I encourage you and urge you, devour this book. Get, get a translation that's, that's, that's communicable to you, that you can understand, but get in this book even deeper. We all got to go deeper because every time I open it, there's something new, there's something fresh, there's something better than I ever understood before. We'll never exhaust the, the, the treasure in the word of God. So in the book, in the, the ark was the word of God. It was the presence of God. The third thing in the ark was the golden pot of manna. Now I find this interesting that after 40 years, God says, I want you to put in the ark of the covenant a golden pot of manna. Now he could have said, I want you to see that old dry gourd over there. Just kind of carve out the top and we'll put some manna in there. And that'll remind you of the rawness of the, of the wilderness journey. And that would work, wouldn't it? We'd say, we could say our grandkids, would you look at that? This is, this is how it was when I was two miles in the snow, uphill both, both ways, barefoot stuff, you know. Here, this is how it was. But God said, no, I want you to put it in a pot of gold, a, a golden pot of manna. Why would he do that? Well, first of all, it speaks to me of God's faithfulness, of God's provision, the manna, for 40 years, food fell from heaven for crying out quiet. I mean, it was, this is a miracle every day except the Sabbath. And enough fell on Friday to gather for sun, Saturday so they wouldn't be laboring on the Sabbath. So he, he gave food every time they needed it. It was a miracle. Their clothes didn't wear. Their teeth didn't rot. I mean, everything it was absolute provision of God. That's what the manna represents. The golden pot represents the extravagance of God's provision. It represents the luxuriance of God's provision. And gold, as you and I know, is forever enduring. You can melt it, but it doesn't change what it is. You can reshape it. You can repurpose it. But it's still gold. It never goes away. Its value is not diminished. God was saying, I want my people to know. Keep your eyes on the fact that I am faithful. You can trust me. Great is God's faithfulness, saints. You can depend on God as you're journeying and traversing and navigating the issues we face today. Keep your eye on the presence of God. Stay in the word of God and know that God is a faithful God and not just enough to get you by. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's more than just a provider. He's an extravagant giver. He's a benevolent God. He loves to love big. That's what he wants us to keep our eyes on. And finally in the ark was Aaron's rod. There's a lot to be said about that. Don't have time to go into that. But Aaron's rod basically represents supernatural authority. It was the rod, as I told you before. Moses standing before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, show me a sign. He says, hey, Aaron, throw your rod down. It becomes a snake. 
Pharaoh has his magicians throw their rods down. They just become snake. And Aaron's snake swallows their snakes. It represents supernatural authority. What does that mean to us today? If we ever needed to be people of the spirit, if we ever needed to be people not just of, oh, hallelujah, but let me tell you what God's going to do. If we ever needed to be people that walked in supernatural authority, today would be a good day to sign me up, Lord. You talk about shining brightly. You talk about having the inside of the word of God and flowing in the prophetic things of God. And, and, and I don't just mean right here in this room. I'm talking about in our world, to our neighbors, wherever we find ourselves in life, we need to be people that walk in supernatural authority. Another word would be power. If you want to put these in four Ps, this would be keep your eyes on the presence of God, the promises of God, the provision of God. And the power of God. Those things, as we navigate this journey that you and I find ourselves in, we just, we could just grab those four things. The presence of God, the word of God, the provisions of God, and the authority of God. There's a difference between power and authority. Power, if you just gut it out, if you got enough power, you can push through something. But authority, it's a whole different animal. They're related, I understand that. But authority of God, you've you've seen those kind of people. When they pray, boy, there's an authority. There's an anointing, as we talked about saying earlier. So, we're all missionaries now. We're all pioneers because we've never been this way before. None of us, except by the Spirit, can we know what's going to happen tomorrow. And God wants us to get ready. There's 5 billion people still don't know him. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the Israelites were getting ready to cross to this land. But had they tried to transition without God's timing, they would have drowned. They would have perished. The right decision at the wrong time is the wrong decision. You may have it right, but if you wait too late, the water is receding. It'll swallow you up. If you go too early, the waters haven't parted yet. The timing of God in your issues and situations of life today, it's critical that we flow in the timing of God. I can show it to you in chapter 3, verse 1. Early in the morning, they set out and went to Jordan where they camped before crossing over. There's, There's times we need to take a pause. I know we get anxious. I know we're excited. We're ready to come on. The pastor has gotten us all excited about the vision. And we're going to do it. Let's go. Well, wait, wait, wait. The timing of God is vital we get it right. Whatever we're going to do, the timing of the Lord is important. So in this, as we take a pause, let's do three things and I'm done. Let's be thankful. Thank God for bringing us this far. And thank God for Mosaic leadership who helped us along the way. Men and women with skin on. Jesus with skin on. Thank God. Thank, thank God for those. And the second thing is we need to be thoughtful. What does that mean? What that means is what you think you know. I mean, you, I don't mean this in an arrogant way of anybody, but we think we know it all. Like, I'm an expert and stuff. No, I have opinions. No, I'm an expert. No, you've got an opinion. So what you think you know is not all there is to know. Well, you think you know about this, the issue, the, the relational problem or the financial matter, whatever, is not all. And you need to dig and get all the, the knowledge you can because information is the best way to make good decisions. You, you don't want to make decisions without 
proper information. So we need to be thoughtful because what we see is not all there is to see. In 2 Kings 6, Elisha prayed, God, open the eyes of my servants so he'll see the fiery chariots and the angelic host of the army that's around us. There are things happening we can't see unless we begin to see in the Spirit. We need to be thoughtful and we need to be thorough, meaning strategic, meaning not man's ways. In fact, I don't think man's ways are going to work for us anymore, Pastor. I think we're looking at days where it's, it's only God's going to help us through. And I don't mean, oh, God. I mean, oh, God, help us to be who you called us to be and live like you called us to live. I'm done. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Appreciate you so much talking to us, Holy Spirit. I believe you're speaking to your people. And I pray that you cause this word to resonate, that we can trust you, keep our eyes on you, your word, your spirit, your provision, and walk in authority. Help us to walk in supernatural authority. In the name of Jesus, help us, I pray. Help us today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Before I, before I sit down, I want to I just bring a challenge to us. Man, we need a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God in the church today. Places I go, we need a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. You remember the story of the ten virgins? They were all ten virgins. But five of them, they had some issues. (laughs) Number one, they were foolish. And the reason they were foolish is because they were not anticipating the bridegroom. And therefore, they didn't have oil full in their lamps. And then they were, I just caught this the other day. They were looking to men to feel their laps. You cannot ride on the coattails of great preachers. You can listen to all the podcasts, and I say do that, but you cannot ride on it. You've got to get your own oil from God the Holy Spirit. And we need that fresh anointing. Can I pray that God will grant that to us today before I sit down? Would you stand with me all over this room? It's time to fill our lamps with oil and begin being ready like we've never been ready for the bridegroom to come. I don't want to get caught that way at all. But beyond that, I want to make a huge impact in the world today. And I want to walk in supernatural authority. Put your hand on your heart if you would, please. Let me pray this over you. God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for these people who've listened to your word. And they've taken it in. They're drinking your word in. And I thank you that you've spoken to them today, Holy Spirit. You're saying things that Ed Huey didn't even utter. But you're profoundly drilling deep into their soul. And you're drawing them to you and to the purposes that you have positioned them for. And I thank you for it. And today, Lord God, I pray that that fresh anointing fall upon us. That it fall freely and flow fully in us. If there's any leaks in our life, that you plug the leaks, Lord God, and help us to maintain the fullness of your spirit as we navigate these days that we live in. I declare this. I speak this. I expect this, Lord. I believe you for great reports. I'm believing for a testimony of the outpouring of God's spirit in this area. 
I know this is a difficult area. I know there's difficult areas all over the state and all over the nation. But it's nothing is too difficult for you. There's nothing you cannot penetrate when you have the working cooperative work of your people. And you've chosen to use us to accomplish your kingdom purposes. So God just help us to sign up and line up and be filled up with your spirit today. In the name that's above every name, I pray. I declare it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Can I be obedient? You mind? I met Randy before church and uh, learned he was standing up here. I said, what are you doing up here? He said, I'm a bass player. I said, do you any good? He said, I think so. And he is. I found out. I told him, I said, you know, the bass guitar provides a foundational presence to the music it's not really a solo act it's in fact Randy was standing against the back wall he wasn't there for show he was there to provide the foundation Randy what I want to say to you the spirit of the Lord just prompted me to put this to you is that you're a foundation somewhere that you need to be a presence there's a foundational presence you need to provide somewhere I don't know if you're married I don't know if you have family I don't know where you are on that, but God's saying to you, just like you're playing the bass, your calling is, is a lot deeper. It carries a, it carries a strength, but it's, it's, there's, a, there's a missing component that you need to step into. Does that make any sense to you today? Step into this and start fulfilling the role. Provide that foundational strength in the orchestration of your life. Amen. Receive that? Is it Gina? Gina, I heard the Lord just prompt me to say this to you. And everybody can benefit from this, but specifically to you. There's three definitions for the word okay. There's three definitions. I know that doesn't make sense, but listen to this. Okay. Oh, okay. I get it. Makes sense. Okay. The second definition for the word okay is okay. Yay. And there's some okay yays coming your way. And the third definition for okay is, okay, I submit to you. And you have that submitted spirit. It's evident in your worship. And it's an encouragement to all of us is to see people just loving on Jesus. And if she weren't on this stage and in the back corner where nobody could see, she'd be doing the same thing. So here's what God says to you. It's going to be okay. Okay. Receive that? I speak blessing over everybody today that God's health from the cross of Jesus by the stripes on his back would be applied to your life and you walk in divine health. Whatever ache and pain you have, whatever malady, whatever internal organ that's creating issues in your life will be healed today in the name of Jesus. That your mind is clear, the fogginess that you've been walking in due to much of our world and the things that are swirling, that it'll be clear and you're able to have a clarity of thought. That your relationships are supremely blessed. That your husband, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, those things that have been distanced, those things that have been strained, that God, by his healing and supernatural power, will bring healing to Let it be today in the name of Jesus. And the stranger in your life, like we saw in the video, that we'll know that our lives make a difference to somebody somewhere 
We may never meet the recipient of our love for Jesus, but that domino effect is going to change people's lives. So I'm a candidate. I don't know about you. I think you're with me. Let's be candidates for an outpouring of the Spirit, to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, to be full of the oil of the Spirit, the wisdom of God, to keep our eyes on the ark and all that that represents, and to see our world change for the glory of Jesus. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor, for letting me be here today.